I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. How do you guys want to start this week's episode? You got two options, right? We can do super heartfelt, uh, warm and fuzzies. Uh, Yeah. Or we can do ouchie wouchie, oh my fucking God, no, 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 no. What do you you guys fart? No. No. It was the dog, for sure. Dude, Uh, when when you smell like that, you give off strong werewolf vibes. <laughs> yeah, he does. You get, actually, like yeah. you go full primal. Yeah, it smells yeah. like first some, of all, it you, smells like he might have shit. First of all, you look like you look like what's that? You team might as werewolf? well be in fucking Twilight with, yeah. the, with the facial hair and the hair. Like you look like a you look like you got cast as a werewolf. Yeah, in a you fucking do actually. Team. Like coming of age drama about werewolves and vampires, which is kind of funny, Jerry. Because a Jerry, you kind of look like you got cast as a vampire. <laughs> I, I am quite pale. Um, <laughs> you gotta be. Hand- I think it's a must. You gotta be. You gotta be handsome to get cast in one of those movies. So yeah, also. I mean, yeah. I'll t- and thank you. Um, but but <laughs> the way you. the way you sniff is so is like it's just highly annoying. And like you move your fucking head around. God damn, dude. Did you smell it? No, I can't smell a thing. I don't have a sense of smell. You smell it? I smell it, yeah. It's probably donut. It has been too for sure as a dog. But uh, I would like to start um, if I if I have the option of going. I didn't want to start like this, but if I have the option for going for something that's like a bit grotesque and then. A bit like something that's gonna get my belly churning a little bit, and then, then get some eye bleach after. I, yeah, I yeah, I want I want that sweet right. stuff after. All so right. I'd probably prefer to get that out of the way. Okay, let's hey do buddy. it. So uh, so fun. we just we literally just wrapped a recording with uh, our friend Andrew, who is a paramedic, uh, uh, working in paramedicine and 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 community paramedicine, and uh, lovely conversation. Can't wait for you to hear it. It'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, but in that conversation, when the mics stopped rolling, we were talking about IO, which is um, uh, intraosseous infusion. Mm-hmm. And we just recently heard another story about IO, me and Brian. We were here at the office um, watching uh, the fights a couple of nights ago. And a friend of ours was here who, uh, who works in the uh, healthcare world of healthcare. Um, Specifically, he works. He works. He works in uh, emergency in the emergency sort of department of things, and he told us this fucking crazy story about a patient who had coded, couldn't find a heart rate or couldn't find a pulse, and they had to do. Uh, he had to do for the first time since since he went to school on a real live living human, or at least trying to bring back to life human, trying to stay alive, trying to human. stay alive. Mm. Uh, they gave him intraosseous infusion. 
which is if you don't know what it is so it's fucking it's crazy super wild so so intraosseous infusion io is the process of injecting medications fluids or blood uh, products directly into the marrow of a bone so so the reason why someone would need io is if you are if you go into cardiac arrest apparently your veins become very constricted and very small and it's it's next to impossible to get an iv into the vein in order to give the person fluids so what they do instead because they can't find a place to stick the iv they take this they they take this needle and they go right into the bone so oftentimes they'll do it in the in the leg bone like in the tibia sometimes they'll do it in the sternum uh oftentimes they'll do it in the shoulder but the crazy thing is that they have to drill yeah in to get the needle into the bone so here is a video Ugh, i don't want that of <laughs> a doctor i want it doing it on himself no. to show people how it works no watch this no Dude, this guy is so badass. Watch his reaction to this. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Look how cool he is. Okay. All right. Let's drill that in here. Whoa. Okay, now we're going to flush it out. We're flush it out. No big deal. Never push it slow. How did it? It doesn't hurt. Dude, Donut. I think Donut wants to fuck me. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> dude! Is that not the craziest thing? Now, there's, there's. If you want to look this up, there's tons of videos of this of like military personnel and shit doing it while awake, and they're doing it to like their sternums for training for training purposes. How can you do that? Don't you have to recover from? I mean, dude, you a, like got, a, a you bone got hole. Drilled. I, like, I know. Yeah, I would say right, but. Like I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. Looking by that doctor, I'm sure he just went okay, and then I just uh, pull it out. And uh, but if you Bob's drill your into your bone, like does it, does he not go to work for a bit? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you would, th- you would <laughs> think that it's you- the last day of schooling. He goes okay, and uh, everyone's going to do something now. That um, uh, well, I'm going to have to take seven weeks off work. Um, and here we go. I'm going to destroy it, myself. Isn't it annoying how people like David Blaine sort of desensitize you to things like that in a way, though? Like when you see David Blaine take like the knitting needle yeah. and just put it straight through his arm. Yeah. I mean, and then that's you see not a doctor. Magic. It's, it's not, he's not doing yeah. magic. He's going, this is what the human body is capable of. I'm going to shove an ice pick through my, through my urethra and out my butthole <laughs> and I'll be fine. <laughs> And did you guys and, see him do that one? It was his latest YouTube <laughs> special. And that uh, that is somewhere on the internet. Somebody enjoys <laughs> oh, that. Someone did. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we should find that video. No, no. Now, do you want the eye bleach? You want something to? Yeah, absolutely. To wash over. That wasn't okay. honestly. That wasn't as bad as it I wasn't thought gruesome. it might be. It wasn't the, gruesome. The it, drilling sound is hard. It's pretty. Gnar- yeah. It's pretty gnarly though. Yeah. And it helps. When, I, don't you find it helps when the camera angle is a little bit wider? Like if that was right up next to there's a few the skin. there's a few where they're like all yeah. right we got it but but I'm pretty sure they're cadavers that those ones are happening on okay yeah, so we probably can't it. play those on YouTube I imagine no no yeah, no it's full it's oh, full yeah? of it oh yeah okay. yeah there's lots of cadaver stuff on YouTube <laughs> um here's something that will just tickle your uh your heart bones you guys familiar with Minecraft? Do you know what Minecraft is? Yes. You guys heard about this? Yep. I actually watched. I uh, watched with my nephews, and there, there's an interactive Dude, kids Minecraft. Love Minecraft. There's an interactive Minecraft show on Netflix. 
It's like kind of like bat Bandersnatch. No way. Sort of. No. Yeah. Same the same sort of thing where you yeah, like, yeah. you choose you, like choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um so Minecraft for folks who don't know is like a it's a game that's been around for a fucking long time now. Um massive massive amounts of users, kids love it. My nephews are fucking huge Minecraft fans. Um and the idea is like it's a it's a it's a um uh, a procedurally generated world that is all about world building. So you can like, you can chop down trees and you get wood and then you take the wood and you can build a home. Um, you can like, you know, you can, you can chop down like rocks and create cement and, you know, endless possibilities of building. Um, this is actually an old article, but for some reason this popped up as, as a trending news article. I think there must be something new about it, but uh, Minecraft is helping children with autism make new friends. So playing video games online can be antisocial, uh, but the autcraft community is helping children with autism learn social skills and build relationships. Like many constructions, it started small, but now thousands of children with autism are making friends and learning social skills by playing a version of online building of the online building game Minecraft. Stuart Duncan got the idea through a popular blog he ran out of his own experiences with autism, as well as bringing up his son with autism. Other parents with autistic children started telling him that their kids were crazy about a game that let them explore a randomly generated wilderness. However, despite loving the game, many of the children were being bullied by other players. Oh, so sad. Yeah. So in 2013, Duncan, a web developer in Timmins, Canada, set up a server to run a version of Minecraft exclusively for children with autism and their families. I love Timmins. Is it? Yeah, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it's That's great. where my van broke down, and I had to drive up <clears throat> in the middle of January when it was minus 40 and retrieve it from Fond there. Memories. If only yeah. you knew Stuart was living there. Yeah, I would have met up with them. Um, he thought that the invite-only server would attract 10 or 20 people. To his surprise, hundreds requested to join in the first few days. Now, almost three years later, and this was... Uh, this was in 2016, so this has grown exponentially since then. So I don't know how Minecraft works. Is this like a segmented Minecraft server? Like it's like it is the game. It's the game. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could probably describe this better than that better than it, I can. Like yeah, how you, servers work. Yeah, you basically. So I mean, when you so if you imagine that there's a million players playing the game for the computer to process all of those players playing at the same time, they have to split them up on different servers. So like this we play, like this, um, this case. Play, uh, we yeah. play Warcraft. There's that. there's 60 of us in a game, but Wars, at that same time, there's a million other people playing. Yeah. They're all just popped into different servers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he created this exclusive invite only server mm -hmm. that you can only get into with like, you know, whatever, a link or whatever. Um, and it was specifically for people living with autism. So uh, back in 2016, uh, it was based, It became his full-time job. It was called Autcraft. The community boasts nearly 7,000 members. That was back in 2016. <laughs> Along with a team of uh, admins to help manage many activities. Quote, parents see such a benefit for themselves and their children, says Duncan. Minecraft strips away the pressures of dis and distractions of the real world. You can really just be yourself. The server caught the eye of Kate Ringald, the at the University of California, Irvine, she has spent 60 hours inside this virtual world watching how the kids play and chat to one another. Uh, sorry, Ringland. Ringland sees Autcraft as not just another online community, but as a tool that helps autistic children practice social skills. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to discredit her work, but like 60 hours in an online game is kind of 
Not really that much. Weak, just saying. It's kind of kind of. She's still, probably a level three. She's still kind of a noob, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, in she Mine- should get bullied. <laughs> so in Minecraft, if you don't know how it works, you manipulate blocks of materials like wood and stone to build whatever you like, from painstaking recreations of cities to simple computers. "Quote: This is a great way for them to play a game they love, but also have a social experiment or experience," says Ringland. It's giving an alternative way for these kids to express themselves and communicate without the stresses of the physical life stuff. Mm. Everyday social situations can be challenging for autistic children who may struggle to pick up on social cues or understand another person's perspective. Duncan thinks Minecraft strips away the pressures of typ- uh, pressures typical of the real world. There's no noisy or unfamiliar environment to distract you, no pressure to track the other person's facial expressions or worry about eye contact. Quote, with Minecraft, you can really just be yourself, he says. The Mm -hmm. social interactions, the relationships, the communication, everything just boils down to you and your keyboard. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. When I was reading this, it made me think about the time that, like, you and I both got an Oculus Quest um, over the holidays. And, like, the time spent in... Hashtag Meta Bros. for life. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, the time we've spent in there searching uh, the metaverse for NFTs... Uh, within you know, within it, land and and in the sky, um, the and time in the, and in the ether, in, in the ether, the time we spent in there, there in the is ether. there's something to be said for the 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 social activity that we are sharing in that, and yeah. and like the 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 like they said here, like the distractions of the real world or the not having to like focus on like the um the physical like body language and things like that. It, it sort of, I'm sure some people could look at that and go, yeah, that just, that doesn't sound healthy, but, but it almost like strips away a lot of the things that sort of get in the way of communication yeah. sometimes that you it enables it in a way that you don't anticipate that it, yeah. you wouldn't anticipate that it, that it does. I mean, you, you described uh, one of the games that we were playing the other day as to being a similar experience to being at summer camp. Mm -hmm. And so Mm. it's interesting that you're able to have that sort of relationship with a game where you're not actually physically interacting with people and seeing their body language and seeing and making eye contact with them. But you still have this like really nice shared experience together. And uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me because like, I think that that's amazing and, and beautiful that they can have a community where they are able to like not have to worry about, you know, bullying and, and yeah. things like that. It's kind of fucking sad that, you know, they have to create their own server to go and play on to, to feel that way. And, you know, it does also remind me of like, and bring up the fact that there is a lot of toxic online video game Absolutely. culture too. And yeah. so, you know, on one part, it's amazing. They have this community on the other side. It's like, fuck man, we really need to educate people to not be such assholes and to sort of, takeaways from from that toxic video game culture but that feels like an impossible task at the same time i would i would say it is an impossible task because because it it, obviously people of all age all ages engage in that behavior but i would say that a very large proportion of it is coming from like 12 yeah to 14 you look at the age of junior highs which is like which like you are in a period where you have no fucking idea how to exist as a human. No filter. Yeah, the yeah. the interesting thing is though how thinking about how video game or like not not just video game but like this online culture is becoming more and more common. 
like uh, Roblox is a, a really good example, which for people who don't know what Roblox is, it's very similar to Minecraft, um, like a, a community built procedurally generated in some cases world where people can go on and, and socially interact with with their friends and play games. And and it's like uh, you know, it looks like a like a sort of blocky looks like Lego. Um, yeah, it, it's, it is like an online yeah. Lego universe. Yeah. Where people, it the one of the most um, interesting ways I've heard it described is as a a early teenagers um, form of social network. It's a new social network. Right. So yeah. in the same way that like Facebook was to us when we were like sixteen, University. seventeen years yeah. old, and like and and it was just launching. This is sort of like the evolution of the social network for for younger kids. And so they are very much living these um, online lives. Yeah. And so the way that they communicate is actually there's there's some really negative probably yeah. consequences of that, but also some really positive ones. And yeah, I mean, like like we, I mean, this 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 will probably sound weird to some people, but you got to experience it. Like, and this is this is the the summer camp analogy that I made. Yeah. We're playing this game every once in a while. It's in in this app called VR Chat. And we're playing this game called Ghost. And again, it's like completely random people that are placed in the room. So me and Brian will play and we'll be playing with like nine other people. And you can only hear their voices, right? Like everyone can take on whatever avatar they want. You fucking name it. It, it could be their avatar. It could be anything. And all you hear are their voices. So like, you know, we'll be playing and and, and basically the game in a nutshell is you you go into an office building there's like three different floors and everyone is uh out of the group of like 10 people one person is the ghost but no one knows who the ghost is and the ghost can go around and eliminate players by killing them mm. um and their whole goal is to go around and try to eliminate every character in the game every person in the game without being caught without being found out and so it's like this game of like trust and distrust and you're walking around going, Hey, are you like, are you, are you cool? Are we cool? Like, don't, don't, don't get too close to me. Like, do you want to group up? Okay. Let's, and you go around and you like, you get, you collect money and the money buys you a weapon so you can protect yourself. And it's really fun. You grab, you grab <laughs> these documents and you bring the documents up to like the upper level and you put the document on a whiteboard and, and it clears your name. So like Jeremy's safe. I'm not the ghost. And if everyone puts their document on the board, the ghost is identified and then everyone's like, okay, we know that like, like, you know, Jerry three, two, two, two is the fucking ghost. So like, don't go around him or let's all go gang up and kill him. And we're playing this game and we'll be playing and you can hear a guy talking and you're like, okay, I can tell this is like a, like 30 year old man, just like me. But then you're playing and you're like, okay, this is a 12 year old kid. Yeah. And you, you like, like Brian and I would play, we'd like, like buddy up with this like 12 year old boy and we're like, come with us. Like we will protect you. <laughs> and, and, and like the, the interactions that you have with this kid is you're running around. And that's what it reminded me of summer camp, not summer camp when I was a kid, but summer camp as a counselor. Yeah. When you're like, you're, you're trying to develop like healthy relationships with young people and, and all through play all through it's crazy how overwhelmingly positive though that experience, like, and, and knowing that you're being put into random lobbies with different people, yeah. every game, like it, I mean, the toxic culture in that type of game doesn't, it's not as prevalent as 
it is in like a war zone, first yeah. person shooter, yeah. Call of Duty style yeah. lobby. And I, I wonder why that is. Maybe it's the the diversity of the demographic a bit, or yeah. or like or the, the type first of game, person, like sort, the type, yeah. the you know the the type of game that you're playing. It's yeah. like it 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 really feels like the people there to play are there to like have fun and like and make friends. Mm. Um, but that makes a lot of sense to me when when talking about Autcraft because I like it is a very similar experience, um, just not in VR. Mm-hmm. And so so for these for these children and their families to come into this universe and interact with people that are um, struggling the same ways that they are and to like have these like community based games together. I, I think it's, it's just a really beautiful thing. I mean, it really does piggyback on the conversation we were having last week about um, AI friends to yeah. help people who are going through experiences of like loneliness yeah. or, you know, want some practice and having a conversation with somebody or feel overwhelmed by that idea. Like, like using these, sort of opportunities to interact with somebody but not being overwhelmed by having to like manage your body language when you interact with them and yeah. caring about what you look like when you yeah. you say the things you do it's, and being in a world that, you, that is that feels very comfortable yeah that feels very um that that brings you joy already you know mm-hmm. uh, for folks that are curious this is the website here um and if you if you want to join Outcraft, you just fill out an application and once you're approved, you're free to roam the landscape um, and build your own structures. They also take part in group games uh, like massive uh, battles against uh, Withers, which is kind of like a ghostly villain, or build things as a team. But you have to stick to some rules. Harassing other players or destroying their property can get you banned. Uh, a spinoff server, server for teenagers is slightly more permissive. Um, and so if you have a, a child that has autism that loves Minecraft and you feel like this would be kind of up their alley, uh, go check out Autcraft. It's mm. really cool. Well, what about, what about our freedom though? <clears throat> what about our freedom of speech? Like we just want to go on and say anything. No, let's, but, I, I'm not even, I'm not even touching You're it. not even going to go. Not even, gonna, I'm not even going there. <laughs> I, uh, I did, I did want to, uh, just touch on something really quickly because of, of a, of a, uh, topic that we, that we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting about china and the olympics and like how they're going to do that and i just saw a snippet in a in a in a, in a uh, newsletter a daily newsletter that i get that sort of gave some context around that so um they are going to do it says <laughs> i'm trying to like read around this because it's like kind of like a, they, they write this in kind of a comedy way so it says uh the olympic bubble will host about eleven thousand international athletes, guests, and other participants, as well as thousands of Chinese volunteers and staff responsible for monitoring everyone's movements within it. Okay, so they're going to try to have an 11,000-person bubble at the Olympics. That sounds impossible. That's a big bubble. Okay, so it says um, that this would actually be be split up into, uh, into three. So it's a speaking of movement. People involved in the Olympics will be shuttled to three competition locations nearly 111 miles apart, all while avoiding contact with every single citizen in China's second largest city, Beijing. All locations are connected by high-speed trains and bus routes used only by residents of the Olympic bubble. Chinese citizens have been told not to help if they see one of these bubbles, bubble buses crash. Oh my God. No, no. Yeah. Holy fuck. No. Yeah. yeah it's totally insane. Bubble <laughs> China's intense COVID bubble is just one manifestation of its attempt to assert complete control over the upcoming Olympics. Authorities have also 
detained activists. This is basically just like a, 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 a shitting on the government. Um, but yeah, so they're going to have this like massive, oh. massive bubble and basically be like, you will, will arrive, you will go into this bubble and then nobody from no Chinese citizen will interact with anybody that's a part that is, of that. It reminds thing. me of Prince. Uh, my friend Molly was, she's a, uh, she's a musician. She was on the podcast mm. and she's a, she lives in uh, Minneapolis, <clears throat> which I believe is where Prince is from. And Prince was doing a show there and they needed a, a guitar tech for his show. And so they called up Molly and they're like, we need you to come in. You're going to like tune his guitars. You're going to swap his guitars out when he's on stage. And they were like, when she got there, they were like, all right, FYI, do not look at him. <laughs> do not make eye contact. Do not talk to him. I was going to, I was going to make that joke. No, it was straight up. It was real. straight up. Like, do yeah. not fucking make any contact with him whatsoever. You are just here to tune his <laughs> guitars and give him and swap out his guitars. That's so funny. It's kind of like that. It's like these elite, these elite athletes are here. Do not look at them. Do not talk to them. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, do not rescue them from the fiery bus crash. <laughs> it is. It is crazy <laughs> because you wonder. You start to wonder what are they planning? You know, talking, referencing a fiery bus bus crash. But we're not gonna. We're not the, planning uh, anything. But the the thing uh, that I, I find that's crazy. So, um, I'm part of the host organizing committee for the canoe kayak world championships here next summer. And, um, and thinking about this, you know, the COVID precautions that they're taking, the biggest challenge that I see with that is the volunteers because with, um, the canoe kayak world championships, we anticipate having approximately 700 volunteers, um, help out with the event over the course of the week here. Right. And, our event will probably involve, and this is just my best guess right now, but maybe somewhere between three to 4,000 people in the city. And so thinking of this 11,000 person athlete event, just the athletes yeah, alone, it's crazy. the amount of volunteers <laughs> probably almost have to be a sort of one-to-one um, ratio of, of, of athletes to vol- volunteers to athletes. And so imagining the volunteers that would be required you start to what like they're they're I mean, probably going to be volunteers. I wonder if they're citizens. included in that bubble. So they they must have. They I mean, be. they said eleven thousand athletes. I would assume that they would have to have yeah. them in that bubble. But that means that they have to provide accommodations yeah. for those people or some way to like manage them as well. So yeah, that's I a mean, wild undertaking. Considering China at the start of the pandemic, um, back in early twenty twenty, built an entire hospital, it, like. <laughs> to yeah, handle a, where, a hospital in, warehouse in, like, in, in, a, in a matter of like three days. Yeah. yeah. So it's considering they, they have the ability to, to do that. I mean, it's probably it's not surprising that Guys, they would be able to do this, but it does seem like a huge logistical nightmare. There's this, uh, there's this speed skater that, uh, that I saw a video of, uh, who's at the Olympics and, um, she's going through like a venue. She's like entering into a venue mm-hmm. and, and the caption on it was like, I, I'm trying to find it here. I don't, I don't, I feel like it was probably a story, so it's probably gone. Um, it was like, it was like, uh, it was like, uh, event facial recognition time. And, and they're just walking through a, they're just walking through like a little portal, but they don't stop and talk to anybody or anything. And literally, like, as they, as she walks through, like her face and profile, like, 
immediately pops up on the screen and like identifies <laughs> identifies her. <laughs> you know what? You know you know, how, you know why that's possible? Because she turned. She made her face old. This is it right here. 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 Look. I know what you mean. I'll put this on the screen if you send it to me. Did you go through and then immediately pops up her face? Isn't that nuts? Wow. Wow. Crazy. Check it out on YouTube if you want to see that, folks. That's crazy. (laughs) That that is, that is, that, that's really funny. That's old (laughs) app. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving right along here. Uh, oh, I, I wanted to play this. It came up a couple of weeks ago, but uh, and I meant to put it on the show earlier. This is just in case folks don't know. So the you know we're we're all pretty aware with PCR tests and rapid tests. If you don't know this, and I think this is worth knowing, if you are uh, if you are someone who is uh, feeling like you need a rapid test, uh, the the old quick nose swab in the juice. Squirt the juice in the little applicator. I was like, "Wait, what? Where is this going?" Um, I follow. You, uh, they're saying now that uh, not only to swab your nose, but also to swab the back of your throat. So in the, that order, in that order, it goes no. up nose into your no. throat. No, 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 that's not that. Uh, but but here's a video. Um, so new research is showing that swabbing your nose and throat makes a more accurate rapid test. So you can get any rapid test, and uh, you start by pulling the applicator out. You swab the back of your throat, so Ew. like back into your tonsils first. Something, dude. This guy's making it look like so easy. It's I, not. I hate it. Then I you do your that. nose second. He's so chill. He's really chill about it. Yeah, this is CBC News, Nova Scotia. Um, so every time a new variant comes out, we never know if uh, it's changed slightly and where it likes to grow. Uh, and you know, studies like these are important to uh, show that our tests continue to work. I. I, I, it makes me so jealous that like when they stick the swab in their nose that they don't immediately start sneezing because as soon as I do it, I'll sneeze like four or five times in a row. Tyler can almost not do it. I don't mind it at all. I don't, yeah, me neither. I mean, it tickles my nose, but it, it's fine. Tickles my nose, but then it makes me sneeze. So folks, rapid test. If you're going to do a rapid test this week or this weekend, uh, do your throat first and then do your nose and see if that, uh, see if you get the, uh, see if you get COVID, see if you get that positive (laughs) test, you know, that you're looking for. (laughs) This could be uh, content that we, uh, cut out of the podcast and use exclusively on our OnlyFans. But do you guys have a gag reflex when you, like, if you stuck that back there? I can't, I can't even brush my tongue. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's a bigger, that's a much bigger item. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's, you're putting your whole. You're putting your. Well, I'm whole touching fingers. my tonsils. Yeah, but you're. Yeah, you're. Well, that's what you'd have to do with the thing. What? Okay. Are we ship, do- wow, Bri. Are we? Do- are we? Oh, doing- are we doing it? Are we doing this here? <laughs> gagged. Do you- I hate that. Should I do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have also? One? I don't do know. I have yeah, Who doesn't it? have a gag? Re- I mean, I think- oh. I mean, obviously, oh, I, oh. <laughs> I mean, some people I've don't. I've met a couple of people. I mean, I know some people don't, but every, but most people do. I'm clipping that for the cold. I don't know. For sure. That that is actually something I, I'd be curious to know if if most people have a gag reflex. Okay, well, let's I, see because I, I, I don't know. Let's I, see if I, I would say it. most people probably do. I think I do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Google it. I have to touch my con. Tons. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty dude, yeah. good. Yeah. Whoa, dude! Oh. You're eating your fist. Yeah. Folks, if you want to see what we just did, uh, head over to our OnlyFans. Dude, that was her- that was horrific. Yeah. That was for you, Darren. <laughs> Think of your 
favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, this is, uh, this is kind of cool. Oral CBD prevented COVID-19 infection in real world, real world patients, study suggests. Mm. Uh, cannabidiol, uh, cannabid, man, this is so hard. Cannabidiol, bidiol, cannabidiol, the non-psychoactive cannabis <laughs> compound, better known as CBD. Cannabinol? Is, is that what it is? No, no, it's cannabidiol, uh, C-A-N-N-A-B-I-D-I-O-L cannabidiol, uh, known as CBD, is a potent blocker of SARS-CoV-2 replication in human cells. Did we not talk about this two weeks ago? No, we didn't. We, we, we never we, brought it up? We talked we about it to. off air. We talked about oh, okay. it uh, hanging out here. Uh, not only that, but a survey of real-world <clears throat> patients taking prescribed CBD found a significant negative re- relationship between CBD consumption and COVID-19 infection. As detailed in a paper published Thursday in the peer-reviewed journal Science Advances, by a team of 33 researchers at the University of Chicago and the University of Louisville, a survey of 1,212 U.S. patients taking prescribed CBD found that people taking 100 milligrams per milliliter oral doses of CBD returned positive COVID-19 tests at much lower rates than controlled groups with similar medical backgrounds who did not take CBD. Do you think, like, do you think, I don't know, like 100 or 200 or however many years from now, people will just look back and go, you know that there was a hundred years where basically just everyone just ignored the, the like all these crazy things that this simple the medical plant, this, benefits this of simple yeah, plant, plant medicine. This like yeah. very simple yeah. plant like yeah. had all these things and because everyone, like twenty and it, years of shitty ad campaigns and like, <laughs> and, like and everyone was everyone thought that you know you you reform you, you just die, you die yeah yeah you go crazy yeah. and rape everyone and then kill yourself I God, I wonder. I wonder if I wonder if that so like like I like the 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 science is is really interesting around that but I wonder in practicality for like the recreational pot smoker that like that like smokes weed with high CBD content um do they I wonder if there's any like positive effect or protection against covid so there so at the same week that this study came out there was another study that also came out i didn't include it in today's but it it had to do with combustible uh cbd oh, really? as well yeah. yeah um according to the study all the patients who were people who had seizure related conditions which cbd is often prescribed to treat of this group 6.2 percent returned positive covid19 tests or diagnosis compared to 8.9 percent in the control group among a smaller subset of patients who were likely taking CBD on the dates of their first COVID-19 test, the effect was even more pronounced. Only 4.9% of people taking CBD became infected with COVID-19 compared to the 9% of the control group. Now, you know, these aren't like staggering numbers, um, you know, 6.2% versus 8.9%. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of a, it's kind of hopeful that CBD yeah. could be, looked at as a potential in a, a, a therapeutic in the coming years. I think anything uh, when you're talking about, when you're talking about 
something that in the context of a pandemic that is affecting, you know, basically everybody like small percentages represent really big populations yeah. or can represent really big yeah. populations. So they said, quote, our results suggest that CBD and it's metabol, uh, metabolite seven OHCBD uh, can block SARS-CoV-2 infections at early and even later stages of infection. Besides looking at real world <clears throat> data, the scientists conducted lab tests. Uh, lead author, Dr. Marsha Rosner, a professor at the Ben May Department for Cancer Research at the University of Chicago, and her team treated human lung cells for two hours with CBD before infecting them with SARS-CoV-2 and left them for 48 hours while monitoring, monitoring, monitoring them for presence of the COVID spike protein. They found that CBD inhibit, uh, inhibits the replication of genes required for the growth and spread of the virus throughout the body. They performed the same tests on three COVID-19 variants and found uh, the same result. Quote, as a bottom line, what this says is that CBD has the potential to prevent infections such as breakthrough infections, which might be one of the most useful applications. Uh, the researchers strove to identify the mechanism through which CBD inhibits, uh, inhibited infection. While they found a negligible effect at the point at which viruses enter cells, they found CBD CBD to be very effective at preventing protein expression in cells two and six hours after infection and partially effective at doing so 15 hours after infection. So pretty yeah. fascinating. Like, it's and like this, this made it this is like after infection, they're going pump it with CBD and they're going, Whoa, we're, we're like mm. getting some sort of result. And mm. this, this, like this article and this, 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 uh, study made, this was popping up in like every Everywhere. in like every yeah. in like every news organization and publication. So yeah. you gotta it's probably obvi obviously the the thought the consensus is that it has some it has merit. It's not yeah. just like a yeah. It's not a one off. The consensus yeah. is that the mainstream media <laughs> seems Main, to be benefiting yeah. from some <laughs> big cannabis company. Yeah. Oh. I forgot. Um, I meant to bring this up on the show last last week, and I'll make this really brief. But I I meant it was a follow up on something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we mentioned the military vaccine, spiffin, spiffin, and we were we asked the question like, how does this? Because the, the the idea of that vaccine was that it was going to protect against future variants, mm -hmm. and we were like, how the fuck does it know how to protect against future variants? It's not just targeting the spike protein, right? And I was uh, right. We were both listening to that episode again. Where uh, we Brian and I have. Brian, Brian via via my um, adamant adamant yes. um, exposure. Um, fans of uh, a podcast called The Drive uh, with a doc named Peter Tia, and um, uh, they were chatting about. They ended up ch uh, shortly after we had that conversation. I was listening to an episode and heard them talk about this, and it was way too. They're really great mm. science communicators. They make complex things sound digestible and and relatively easy to understand and i can't repeat it because i'm not smart enough to easy for it. you to understand difficult to regurgitate it's very difficult to regurgitate <laughs> but it had something to do with the fact that the mrna vaccines are targeting like such a very specific part of the virus the spike protein the spike protein that um it's challenging for that type of vaccine to protect against future variants yeah, right. whereas the more like og way of producing a vaccine which we're more um familiar with which i believe believe is by administering an adenovirus um which is basically like a, a version of the virus is the way that they that gets into your body 
it basically like exposes you to like the more whole genetic makeup of the virus. So mm-hmm. you are, your body can respond to the, uh, it's almost like it rec- it will recognize future variants as like descendants mm-hmm. of what you've already been protected against. It, sort of anecdotally, thing. like the, the one uh, good analogy that, uh, the epidemiologist used was that your B cells are like recipe books. And when you are given a vaccine like Covax or like, like Spiffin or, or the Johnson and Johnson or AstraZeneca virus, uh, um, AstraZeneca vaccines, they give you the recipe book that sees a, a whole picture of the virus. Mm. Whereas the MRNA vaccines, while they're not, while they're great at protecting um, against the virus in its form right now, don't give your, body don't give your cells this the same b cells with their recipe books that can see yeah. the entire picture um though they they were basically saying in its current form and variants they are you know equally yeah. as effective yeah. it's anyway, just it, more so down the road if you want to yeah. like listening to it for yourself because like th- dude yes. they are so much smarter and and describe it so much better yeah. um it's called the drive the podcast came out uh mm, Jan, like Three, January yeah. 20th or so, somewhere around there. And it's called like COVID part two or something like that. Uh, Rosner and her team caution against conflating their findings with the suggestion to use recreational cannabis as a treatment for COVID-19. THC may inhibit CBD's antiviral effects, the authors note, and smoking is bad for your lungs. Without clinical trials, they, can't, they also can't recommend that people go out and buy CBD at a dispensary. I uh, just wanted to put that in there. Just so we don't run into the whole, you know, Joe Rogan ivermectin problem here, where we get canceled <laughs> for promoting the treatment that uh, isn't necessarily treatment. It turns out a bunch of shows start leaving the CBC because <laughs> sick boy, sick boy podcast hosts uh, say you should go buy CBD. You should take. You should throw the, take, throw the ch- kitchen sink at it. You should get take. Vaccinated. You should take pothead pothead medicine. Uh, here's COVID. A, it, Brian here's Goldman a, leaves. He's like, "Fuck these guys." Here's an interesting story, um, uh, uh, sort of in line with um, uh, hating <laughs> hating uh, billionaires. I don't know how that ties into. It sort of ties into cancel culture, but um, uh, Mark Cuban. Oh, everyone, yes. Everyone hates that fucking billionaire, that billionaire piece of shit. Uh, although, <laughs> is this the. He's doing something kind of nice. And that I, I sound like. That was a, yeah, yeah. a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Mark Cuban is. Uh, who's also the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, uh, <laughs> has, has launched an online pharmacy. And a host of Shark Tank. Shark Tank. <laughs> um, uh, he's the. He's launched an online pharmacy for genetic drugs. That looks to cut out middlemen and combat pharmaceutical industry price gouging by offering steep discounts. This is kind of cool. Uh, Mark Cuban, the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company set up costplusdrugs.com last week with 100 generic drugs to treat conditions like diabetes and asthma. Cost Plus will not accept health insurance, but claims its prices will still be lower than what people would typically pay at pharmacy. Uh, Quote, all drugs are priced at cost plus 15%. Uh, was Cuban tweeted on Thursday. So one example would be a month's supply of imatinib, which is a drug used to treat leukemia, retails for around $9,600, which is about $120 per month with a voucher. Cost Plus's price is $47 a month. Whoa. That's a significant uh, drop in price. 
the company is building an $11 million drug manufacturing plant in Dallas where it hopes to be complete by April. And Cuban tweeted that the plant will allow the company to expand into injectables. Is this basically like like the Americans version of our shoppers drug mart life brand? Mm, maybe. I don't know. Well, no, because they're no, because that's that's no, because I mean, that a, is that is generic th- brand drugs um, that are, you know, if you looked at Tylenol next to acetaminophen life brand, that, life yeah. brand there's like, you know, Tylenol, a, you know, a, 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 a can of 40 pills of Tylenol would be like 20 bucks, whereas the life brand would be like. 16 bucks. Yeah. yeah. But it's probably more than 15%. Yeah. Of co- 15% more than cost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- I mean, this is <clears throat> at cost plus 15%. This like is that's... like, this is sort of, this is more like, this is more like Tesla. I wonder what, I wonder what Tricafta being would direct be. To, being direct to consumer. What do you think Tricafta is at cost? Oh my God. I don't know. That's it's it's really hard to say because there's then so you, many factors. So like we know it's what, $300,000 a year. Yeah is what it retails at. So like, you know, you can imagine that they market up like what percentage do you think drugs are marked up at? Dude, fuck. I don't probably, know, man. I don't probably know. depends if Martin Scarelli's 500%, a thousand percent. I have no, I have no idea because there's like a, I, I, I've, I, I recently heard that, you know, the argument that pharmaceutical companies, one of the reasons why they're able to charge such high prices is because of the research that goes into the drugs. R&D, yeah. But, um, I have, I recently heard, and I, I'm not even going to say anything about it because I can't remember it at all, but I recently heard, and I remember feeling quite compelled by it, an argument that basically <clears throat> put that, that theory to, out to pasture. Was it a video of a woman at Congress basically showing a table of like, here's the, maybe it here's was. what they, here's what they say R&D yeah, goes towards. Maybe where that, it was that. Yeah, I think it, it could have been that. I, and I remember watching that video going, you know, it's, you know, what's really funny is I've never bought that argument because when I worked in team building in the Middle East, our biggest clients in um, the MENA region, which is Middle East, North Africa. So we would do most uh, pharmaceutical company headquarters for the MENA region are in Dubai. And so we would run events for um, like all of the big, I, I won't even name them, all of the big pharmaceutical companies. And they compared to any other company in any other industry the pharmaceutical companies fucking balled out on team building events and and like employee weekends away and offsites and stuff they went like so you wouldn't even you couldn't even comprehend how much money they would spend on a weekend it's all away. research and, and which is really yeah. interesting because like i i, I yeah. did some company valuations on on um well, I did one on Pfizer. I did one on GlaxoSmithKline a couple of weeks ago. And like from a financials perspective, like they're not, they make a lot of money, but they spend a lot of money. Like from a, like they, they're not, they're not swimming in, in But do you profit. think they spend frivolous, frivolously? Probably. Pro- probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, from a, when you're reading financial statements, you can't really glean like I mean, how they're spending that. But looking at what they would spend on, it was fucking crazy sometimes i wonder like if like if i if i was a lot smarter than i am and i went to like pharmacology school like hey i know for sure that i'd be i'd be cooking acid in my kitchen because i would just 
I'd be like, I'm going to teach myself how to do that and I'll do it. I'll make my own LSD. But also I wonder like if, if, if I did that, I'm watching Ozark right now and this whole, like the whole, uh, I mean, no, no spoilers, but like the whole, um, poppies and, and like, like outsourcing heroin for mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies is very fascinating. But it, but like the, the woman that runs the pharmaceutical company, when she's like testing the heroin yeah, and, and like on her little like lab setup, it made me think like if I, like how hard would it be if I knew pharmacology really well for me to just make Trikafta at home? <laughs> well, well, it'd like, be, like, because it'd be I know, the, I know the three drugs that make up the drug, right? But that's so because, like, but op- like opium is not no, a, no, pat- I, a no, patented no, I know, drug. I know, I know. Right. So it, it's the patents that like, it's the secret sauce. Yeah. Like they're like, we, we're not going to give you the secret sauce of how we made this. In 20 years, you might be able to do it. But like maybe how yeah like like what like open, source, open hard, maybe. like like open source pharmacology like yeah how common is that oh we should have uh what's his name on the show uh Walter White no not <laughs> Walter White the guy the vice guy Hamilton Morris oh, Hamilton, Hamilton Morris, Morris. God, yeah. that would that would be that'd be a dream I, I would retire yeah I'd go this is it. Yeah, that would be an amazing, amazing show. Um, <laughs> you guys know how much I love conspiracy theories. And and I, I gotta be careful in saying that. Cons- I wanna I just wanna preface. Conspiracy theories have taken on a bit of a new they life have. over the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Con- you like, can't really like, like them anymore. Post <laughs> post Trump era and post COVID era, conspiracy conspiracy theories were really, really, really fun. Yeah. They Before, were yeah. really fun. Dude, they were we really were, funny. We, we were gonna a, do a podcast. We, a, I, I, we might still one day. I've got this amazing idea for a conspiracy theory podcast that 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 I want to do someday. I love conspiracy theories. Do you think in the environment that that ended up happening, it might bolster? It might actually be a positive thing because because I think that I was thinking about this in the shower the other day. The, the the podcast name would be "Conspiracy Theories Are Fun." I think that would be the name of it. And <laughs> and, and and so anyway, like what I mean by that is like you know the the conspiracy theory that the like that like hollow earth theory like. That's fun. That's a fun thing. Aliens, like alien <laughs> conspiracy. Theory. That's fun. That's fun stuff. Flat Earth is fun. Flat Earth is very fun. Very fun. <laughs> this is a new Flat Earth uh, Oculus game coming out. That's <laughs> like, it's like almost sort of like uh, the accountant oh, yeah, right. style, but no, it's about great. Flat Earth. Yeah. The so, COVID one is fun. Uh, yeah. No, it's not. It's a, it's a big, it's a big <laughs> fucking bummer. And it's, it's, the, it, it's the thing that unfortunately gives conspiracy theories a bad name. But conspiracy theories, I do enjoy. And there was one that kind of like popped its head up recently in the last in the last five years that that I've been sort of following that I find endlessly fascinating. And it is one that that really excites me. Hmm. It's the conspiracy theory surrounding Havana syndrome. Now, I feel like we might have talked about Havana syndrome on the show before. We did. If we didn't. We've talked about it a ton. We definitely talked about it on the show. Okay, but so like it was like a you know little segment. Yeah. So a year ago, probably. So for folks who aren't aware, Havana syndrome. Um, so uh, sin- uh, symptoms of Havana syndrome were first reported by CIA officials and State Department employees uh, and, and diplomats working at the American embassy in the Cuban capital in 2016. And they described hearing harsh mechanical sounds uh, and, and experiencing very uncomfortable pressure, like the, the sensation that you get when you're driving really fast down a highway and like one window is down. That's oh, sort of like, I hate. Yeah. And like yeah. that feeling in your head. Yeah. Okay. 
So um, some sufferers have said that that when the symptoms first emerged, it also felt like they were being hit with a beam of energy. <laughs> Vertigo, vision problems, and difficulty concentrating has, have also been reported. Hearing loss, followed by auditory symptoms for some of the diplomats and agents, with some cases intense enough that employees were forced to end their tours early and return to the U.S. for study and outpatient treatment. But wasn't there, wasn't there like a, a, a semi-logical explanation for this in the end? No. Still to this day, there there hasn't been, but so that was 2016, right? But they thought that there was like that, that some foreign government was fucking with them. So, okay. So that was the thought and that was the conspiracy theory. So these CIA agents, these diplomats, there was a, a, a Canadian diplomat that was down there. They were all experiencing this thing. And here's, what's really fucking crazy about this. They would be, so they would, they would report sitting in their hotel room. And then all of a sudden getting this like sensation at, 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 well, they're at their computer and they're like, what the fucking fuck? And they're all fucked up and they stand up and they go to the, like, in, in, like in a, in a delirium, they stand and they walk to the other side or they walk out of the room. As soon as they leave the room, it's over. So they go, what the fuck? They walk back into the room, sit down on the computer. It starts again. Okay. So they, they all started to say when they came back, they were like, yo, American government, CIA, we got to look into this. We think that this is some sort of like bioweapon. We think that this is some sort of like weapon used by communists that is like an energy weapon that is like fucking up our brains. This is so easy for me to explain. I can tell you exactly exactly (laughs) what's happening. You want to know exactly what's happening? This is why Brian's not going to be a part of conspiracies or fun because he's like, he poo-poo's everything. (laughs) This is is exactly what's happening. They get down there and everybody... Is they're all stoked to be in Havana. They're like, we're gonna go down to Cuba. It's gonna be warm. It's gonna be fun. And they get down there and they realize it fucking sucks because they're stuck in their work. They can't really leave their hotel rooms. You know, not allowed to it's be not, in the country yeah. in the first place. Right. Exactly. So they realize how it's not all inclusive. And so there's one person there who's like, listen, the last guy told him to do this thing. He got sent back. <laughs> just say you have the exact same shit and you can get sent out of here okay. and we'll figure it out. So they just keep doing that. And then eventually the story, it just becomes like this mob mentality. Like they that's all its, adopt That's its own the story. conspiracy theory in and of itself. It is. Yeah, maybe. Now here's maybe, the interesting maybe thing. Maybe it's just the truth. This wasn't, this wasn't isolated to just uh, the capital of Cuba. Havana syndrome was happening to diplomats all over the world. Diplomats in China, CIA agents in Russia. China, Cuba, Russia. Okay, all right. What do we have in common here? So there's here? the link, right? Communism. What do we have in common here? <laughs> yeah, right. Communism. So, Communism? so that, that's, the, that's the conspiracy theory link where they're thinking this is a, like a new weapon that we've never heard of that is causing this thing, right? So the CIA is like immediately and the FBI and everybody, all the fucking agencies are like, well, we, better, we better get to the fucking bottom of this. If, if, if our diplomats and our, our officials are being attacked, we got to figure this out. And it was this one fucking ambassador named like Bartleby who is traveling to all these countries and he's just telling them all to say, hey, listen, I did this in Cuba and it fucking worked. You don't want to be in this yeah. one of these asshole countries. Then, then just then just use this, say this, and you'll get sent home. That's well, what he's saying. The uh, CIA has come out and they have said most Havana syndrome cases unlikely caused by foreign power. A report concluded that most cases have environmental or medical causes, but the government remains focused on investigating two dozen incidences that uh, incidents that remain unexplained. Now, here's a, it's an interesting article, okay? Because this is what I love about conspiracy theories. There's this. I'll go through the article, but 
the people that are experiencing this are like, no, 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 that's not it. So um, uh, the CIA has found that most cases of the mysterious ailment known as Havana syndrome are unlikely to have been caused by Russia or another foreign adversary. Um, the conclusion has angered victims. A majority of the 1,000 cases reported, a fuckload of people, a 1,000 cases reported to the government can be explained by environmental causes, undiagnosed medical conditions, or stress rather than a sustained global campaign by a foreign power, CIA officials said, describing the interim findings of a comprehensive study. The CIA is continuing its investigation into two dozen cases that remain unexplained. Those cases, said the U.S. official briefed on the findings, offer the greatest chance of yielding clues to whether a foreign power is responsible for some of the unexplained health incidents Mm -hmm. that have plagued America's diplomats and CIA personnel in Havana and Vienna, among other cities. In addition to those two dozen cases, a significant number of others remain unexplained. The idea that Russia, China, or Cuba was responsible for attacking hundreds of diplomats around the world was never backed up by evidence that the Biden administration could unearth. But the FBI, the Pentagon, and others others continue to investigate whether a foreign power was involved in a smaller number of incidents. Clusters of incidents in Havana beginning in 2016 and some in Vienna in 2021 along with other individual incidents, remain a focus of such investigations. The interim findings left many victims dissatisfied, particularly current and former officials who have been battling chronic ailments for years without being given a clear explanation. Mm -hmm. Which also would probably fucking suck for them trying to get any sort of compensation or like, you know, beyond Mm -hmm. disability or whatever. I I believe they go into the article, there is some sort of compensation that they ended up receiving. In a statement, a group of victims said the CIA interim findings, quote, cannot and must not be the final word on the matter. Uh, The CIA's newly issued report may be labeled interim, and it may leave open the door for some alternative (laughs) explanation in some cases, but to scores of dedicated public servants, their families, and their colleagues, it has a ring of finality and uh, reputation. Reputation. Let me let me give the final word on the matter. Okay. Wake, wake, sleeper cells. Wake, <laughs> take up, rise up. You are awake. You are awake. Uh, that's, my, that's my favorite fucking running joke on on fucking dudes from Russia being interviewed in post fight interviews in the UFC. Uh, William J. Burns, the director of the CIA, said the agency was pursuing a complex issue with analytic rigor, sound tradecraft, and compassion emphasizing that agency offers have experienced real symptoms. While we have, quote, while we have reached some significant interim findings, we are not done, Mr. Burns said in a statement. Quote, we will continue the mission to investigate these incidents and provide access to real-world care for those who need it. Real-world care? The, the agency has never <laughs> accused Russia or any pa- another power of being responsible, but some officials, particularly in the Pentagon, say they believe there was evidence of the involvement of Moscow's spy agencies, and many victims con- concurred. When Mr. Burns traveled to Moscow in December to warn Russia against invading Ukraine, he raised the issue of health incidents, and Russia said, uh, and said if Russia was found responsible, there would be consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, another, a former CIA officer who suffered Havana syndrome <clears throat> symptoms on a trip to Moscow in 2017 said it was critical con- to continue investigating the cases that remain unexplained, praising Mr. Burns' efforts to improve care for injured officers, and added that the CIA should not revert to culture where victims were uh, denigrated and, and dismissed. Um, he said, quote, it took us 10 years to find Osama bin Laden. 
I would just urge patience and continued investigation by the intelligence community and the Department of Defense. That is I mean, an interesting comparison to draw. I, I mean, the thing that I find so interesting here is that it's, it is exclusively being experienced with U.S. and yeah. Canadian officials it's very strange. that are working either in the CIA or diplomats of some some degree. It's prime for conspiracy Dude, theory. You know what though is crazy is I, I didn't believe in those um like international like like coordinated foreign assassinations like with with all these you know a bunch of moving parts these like really um, you mean like detailed, you mean like, orchestrated? You mean like the Bourne series? Yeah, I, I didn't believe that those things were real. I thought it was just movies until I just brought up this article of this this um, assassination that happened in Dubai while I was living there. It's, it's you just have to read this article. I'm not even gonna go. I'll just I'll share it in Discord or on the, on our Discord. But basically, the the headline is Dubai murder, fake identities, disguised faces, and a clinical assassination. Well, there was eleven Israeli you, special ops you know the, spies arrested. For you know the story. You know the story. The the North Korean um, um, uh, family member of the Kim Jong Un, uncle or something? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who was assassinated in the airport. And you know the story behind that, right? Not so, fully. so there, is this there, conspiracy theory? Or this no, is this, like, this is yeah. it's, it's a fascinating documentary on Netflix. Goes through the whole thing. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, essentially, this. This uh, this North Korean special agent, undercover, went to Thailand, sat down next to a young Thai woman, um, and told her that he was a producer for a prank show, and uh, was like, "You got a really great look. Like, we would love to talk about hiring you for the show." Um, and he he was saying that he it was for a, a South Korean um, uh, prank show that they were producing in Thailand, and so she was like, "Yeah, amazing." So he gets her and her friend, hires them to be the hosts of the show. And for months, they would meet up. They would go, all right, cool. Here's your, here's your task. They would give them like, you know, an example would be like, all right, we're, we're going to give you this like cream pie. And we want you to like run up and smack the cream pie into like the bus driver's face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they would do it. And they would come back and they'd be like, oh, that was really fun. And they're like, all right, cool. Like, here's your pay. And they would pay I can them. already see what's going to happen here. Well, <laughs> Then they were like, okay, we got a new one for you today. We're in an airport and we're going to show you the guy that we want you to get. Um, we want you to go up to him and we want you to put this like, this like oil on your hands and then spray this mist on your hands. It's like, it, it has a really bad smell, whatever. And run up to him and just cover his face with it. And they were like, okay. And so she, she, he, the, you know, they were sitting in the airport, the Thai airport. And he goes, that's the mark right there. And they're like, all right, cool. So these two young women <coughs> run up to the guy. If you like, refer to somebody as the mark, and then you know yeah, that you're yeah. part of a hit. <laughs> they run up, they think they're just like fucking in like jackass yeah. too. And they, they, they slather this guy's face with their hands and they run away. And the guy goes into cardiac arrest in a, in a matter of seconds, dies. Turns out he was the fucking related, related to Kim Jong-un. Um, and those two girls get arrested. They're charged with the assassination of a fucking like political leader and they get tossed in jail. Well, the, well, don't say anything now cause I want to watch it. And I don't, okay. and I don't know right. what happened. Yeah. Then you got to know how that, so, so it's very similar to what happened to Alexei Navalny. So spoiler alert, I won't go too far into it. They, except they, you live, they end up getting the, 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 the women yeah. end up being um, found not guilty and it's wild. Literally as to, just how, ask you to not, I know, 
But I won't tell you how they ended up being found not guilty. Is okay. Navalny not dead yet? No, he's not. Well, well, he's in jail. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, uh, back Especially to the, with all the rushing. But he had like, but that was like a handshake, mm. like with a poison, right? And right, uh, and and he. That's this is why this conspiracy theories he proved like this is what gives sort of legs to conspiracy theories because like on the you know the remarkable occasions where this stuff does actually happen this way yeah um because maybe maybe aren't pr- so remarkable. because probably one percent of conspiracy theories are real and that's why they're so fun and that's and that's what gives them life is that when one becomes when one is proven legit then it gives credit to all others. Yeah. yeah. And you there, go, well, we can't yeah. fully dismiss any of these because of that. See, that there's a really fun instance. conspiracy theory that has to do with the American government um, uh, purchasing <clears throat> companies that make glitter and utilizing glitter in, in spy tech. It, uh, I'll tell you about it off here. It's, it's um, fun. Yeah, um, they, the thing is, <clears throat> I actually, you, you say that I always poo-poo conspiracy theories. You do. But I think I actually, you just don't like that I poo-poo your version of the conspiracy theory because I feel yeah. like oftentimes I do perpetuate my own versions yeah, yeah. of those conspiracy theories. You literally created theories. a new one. Back, yes, back exactly. To this, uh, Which is article. why I should be on the podcast with you guys. Uh, not, to finish this article here, uh, a directed energy weapon remains the hypothesis that a number of victims who have studied the incidents believe is most likely. Some of these current or retired officials believe government investigators are, have dismissed evidence that they have collected of strange sounds or electromagnetic readings. So I, it's still up in the air. You know, CIA is coming out and saying, we don't think it is this, but we're still looking into it. I feel like Time there's not come. enough people who have been looking into it. And maybe if more people <clears throat> do their own research, we'll get to yeah. a better conclusion. Soon. So, so yeah, in doing so. this, I wanted to cover a story that uh, was sent to us by our patron, Sadie. Thank you, Sadie. Um, who's been contributing lots to the show lately. Uh, This is a wild story. The CIA secretly created an undetectable heart attack gun. Fuck off. The Cold War must have been an amazing time to be a weapons manufacturer for the U.S. government. Uh, This is for what the health. Like some kind of early Tony Stark, if you could dream it, you could build it. And chances were very good that the CIA would fund it. From funding LSD tests using prostitutes in their johns to a secret underground ice base in Greenland to trying to build an actual flying saucer. There was literally no end to what the CIA would try. What they ended up actually building and then using was much less fun and much more terrifying. We only found out about it because Senator Frank Church decided to do a little investigating. Among other things, he found a gun that caused heart attacks, a weapon that had been used against the U.S., political enemies, and beyond. Here is a photo of the gun itself. No. The clandestine service had its people researching all sorts of various ways to kill its targets. The CIA soon latched onto poisons, ones that were undetectable and appeared to mimic a heart attack. They found it in a specially designed poison engineered for the CIA. Only a skilled pathologist who knew what to look for would ever discover the victim's heart attack wasn't from natural causes. To deliver the poison, the injection was frozen and packed into a dart. Darts from the new secret assassination gun would penetrate clothing, but leave only a small red dot on the skin's surface. Once inside the body, the dart would disintegrate, and the frozen poison inside would begin to melt, entering the bloodstream and causing the cardiac episode. 
shortly after the deadly agent uh, denatured quickly and became virtually undetectable. They even brought the gun to show Congress. The Church Commission and its findings caused a massive frenzy in the United States. People became hungry for more and began to get hysterical in the wake of any news about the CIA. In the aftermath of the Church Commission, President Ford and later Reagan had to issue executive orders banning the tactics of targeted assassinations by the CIA and other intelligence agencies. What became of the poison dart gun is anyone's guess. Whoa. Probably just kept being used. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Of course, they just came out and were like, oh, this is atrocious. We won't be doing this again. And then they're like, make 20 more of those guns. (laughs) And... Give them, give them out to the Mexican cartel <laughs> yeah. to keep this drug war going. Okay, yeah, you're, you're giving weight. You're giving your spoiler. Isn't that spoiler isn't that crazy? isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is pretty crazy. I watched. So don't show. fucking sit here and tell me that Havana syndrome <clears throat> isn't coming from fucking ray guns from the next the next hotel room over. I watched a uh, I watched a show. I I it it really wasn't that great of a show. The content was interesting, but like the show production was not that great. But it was a it's a Netflix series about like spy, like spy tech, like history of spy tech. And, Ooh. uh, and, and, uh, and it, and a lot of it was like cold, like starting in the cold war and like all the shit that the Americans and Soviets like did to each other to fuck with each other. Yeah. Like sending gifts and things that like, you, you know, like a, uh, you know, an ambassador would keep on their desk or whatever, and it would have all this, you know, something <laughs> in it that would, you know, listen in or whatever, and all this stuff, and you know, pairs of shoes that they, you know, they'd pay off a pay off a cobbler that they knew that this person went to see, and you know, they'd go and do like a sh- they'd manufacture their own shoe with like a listening device and swap it at the cobbler shop. That yeah. would be the shoe that the American diplomat would then go and buy, yeah. and all this shit is crazy. It's wild. It's wild. I mean, it reminds me of what was that uh, Ben Affleck movie where where they sent him Argo? down? Yeah, uh, yeah, Argo. They sent him down to like rescue a bunch of Americans and and uh, and yeah. Canadians. Yeah, Argo. And uh, and and he posed as a as a producer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they they made a fake movie and and they went location. That's a real. That's a real story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was a wild story. Uh, folks, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this. Uh, we love doing these Feel Good Friday episodes, and we love that you support the podcast by listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a, a review or a rating on the uh, mobile app. And of course, over here on YouTube, hit subscribe so that you know every time we're dropping content on YouTube uh, because it would mean the world to us. And uh, we've got some pretty crazy letters lately. Um, Dude, I'm not gonna, ever. not gonna. Not going to divulge anything right now because we're going to talk about it a bit um, on the show, but um, crazy. And if you want to be a part of the craziness, yep. um, the much beloved craziness, uh, letters at sickboypodcast.com. Um, let us know what you think about the show. Send us uh, your story. And if you want to be a guest on the show, go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can join the conversation about this episode or any of our other episodes over on Discord, which you can access through the link in our bio on Instagram. The link uh, in the show, show notes of this episode right here. The link in the show right notes of this episode. And, uh, and as always, a huge thank you to the folks who make this show happen. Thanks to Rich O'Coin for the theme music, to Jeff Lonis, our manager. And uh, yeah. That is it for this week. <laughs> I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is it.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.